Hey everyone, it's your host Nick here again with another episode of the Forest of Golden Creativity podcast. Today's episode is going to be narrated by my friend Taylor, and he's going to narrate my short story Sunflower. And Miles is going to be played by Annabelle, Gwen is going to be played by Annabelle's girlfriend Crystal, and the three intruders will be played by me, my friend Mika, and my good friend Jimmy, and I hope you all enjoy. Sunflower, Section 1. An abandoned, rundown city with a large abundance of rubble and destruction throughout. Nothing has survived through the apocalypse that nobody saw coming. The dark clouds devour the sky and the stars. A cold gust of wind scurries past the ashes and silent earth while a young man walks past the deceased and decaying bodies of what used to be the people he once knew, his neighbors, acquaintances, even his rivals and bitter enemies. All hell broke loose in a matter of a couple of months. At first, when the town of Seattle heard rumors about a man biting three people, the town had disregarded it and thought it was just a junkie pissed off that he wasn't able to feed into his drug addiction. This one incident, however, became something to worry about because the people who were bitten began to feel sudden spasms, fevers, aches, and cravings for human flesh. Those three slowly accumulated into 15, then 75, then 1,500, all within a matter of two weeks. The police arrived to investigate the area, as they also tried to gun down those who were infected. However, there were somehow no affected and were actually immune to the copper bullets the police had carried. The brave newscasters had been doing their jobs diligently while they were attacked on live television as the infected scooped up their intestines and brains as blood began to flow and splatter out from their bodies, growling and moaning out of hunger. That's when the people of Seattle began to truly panic. That was when they desperately needed to act quickly. Sunflower, Section 2 As the young man kept walking, he kept on recalling the tragic events that led up to the present, how the army had entered Seattle trying their best to control the situation by barricading the city as quickly as they could before the infected began to roam all throughout the U.S. They had thought that the situation cleared and that they had sealed off all the infected and everyone else inside. Little did they know that one infected, a small child, managed to sneak past them. However, it wasn't their fault entirely. The child had done tests and was deemed to be perfectly healthy by the doctors. The child had told them that she has to go see her family in San Francisco that she desperately wanted to see to make sure that they were okay. The army had no choice but to comply. Seattle was way too dangerous for anyone to live in. It seems like the day after the child went to go visit her family in San Fran, everything got worse. Much worse. Sunflower, Section 3. His torn and dirty black high-top Converse all-star sweep across pebbles as he stopped for a moment and glanced behind him towards a space needle or at least what it used to be of the Space Needle, the entire top part of it now completely gone. As jagged bits and pieces of large steel are dangling, it once was a beautiful monument that attracted tourists to the beautiful rainy state. He shrugged. Uh, there's really no use in looking back now. He thought to himself, after being consumed in deep thought. He turns forward and begins to start walking again, only to stop, only after walking a few feet, as the memories hit him abruptly, like a train and flooded into his mind, the tragic outbreak that nobody ever saw coming. His kind and gentle mother, always offering him the best advice and words of wisdom to guide him in life, 
his two sisters both still so very young, only 9 and 12 years old. Fuck! God damn it! I had the gun! I could have saved them all! He immediately closed his eyes, feeling complete agony as his mind decided to torture him by living the tragic memories of his family being disemboweled right in front of his eyes. Their high-pitched screeches and screams of pain and begging for the infected to stop, hunting them, devouring them limb from limb. What truly haunted him the most was the look that his mother had gave him when she was being completely devoured alive. The physical pain she had felt and the hopelessness that was consuming her eyes as she begged her son to run, run away from the nightmare that had become a reality. Tears began to seep out as he knelt his dirty and torn up black jeans scraping his knees knowing that his tears couldn't bring back his family, no matter how much or how hard he cried. Sunflower, Section 4 He brought himself back into the moment as he wiped away stray tears on his black and tattered jacket sleeve. Through the memories, nor the utter pain didn't fade from him, not yet anyways. He inhaled a shaky breath as he opened his eyes and stood up again, dusting himself off. Okay, I really shouldn't be this careless or too exposed. Those damn infected could be wandering. He knew he shouldn't be filling his mind with such pessimism, but in the week that he traveled, he had not found a living sane being wanting to help him out. And how he lost his gun in a skirmish he had with a supposed hotel owner that only wanted to kill him for his flesh. Even after all of the commotion of the battle was over, the loud noises had caused the infected to notice the two. However, he was lucky to have made it out alive, as they devoured the dead hotel owner without being spotted by them. The thought alone still sent shivers down his spine. Sunflower, Section 5 As hopeless and depressing as the current situation was, he still held his head up and had a strong belief that there could be fresh supplies that he could find. With the small spark of an idea brewing in his mind, he continued to wander through the abandoned and dead streets of a darkening Seattle. He realizes how dark it has gotten and takes out his flashlight as he carefully searches around for any passing zombies. Out of nowhere, a second wave of PTSD of his family being eaten alive right before his eyes hit him again and he yells out in frustration. No! Get out of my head! Not now! He gets consumed in his negative thoughts as he starts to violently punch himself in the head. He doesn't realize it till later on that he overdid it and starts to feel woozy as his fatigued body collapses on the floor. He remains unconscious for quite some time as he is laying there. A horde of the infected start running at him due to the commotion that he caused. As he's about to be eaten alive, he wakes up and tries to kick off the infected that are about to attack him. He hears a bunch of gunshots. The whore that has surrounded him die instantly. A woman walks up to him. Hey, stranger, are you okay? He looks at her back, but is still dazed. Huh? Oh, me? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. The state of his mind is no longer cloudy as he realizes the woman in front of him is beautiful. Think about a supermodel beautiful and times that by a billion. This woman was drop dead gorgeous. I'm Gwen, by the way. She reached out her hand to pull him off the ground. He grabs her hand back and urges himself up. I'm Miles. It's nice to meet you, Gwen. Also, thanks for saving me back there. 
She flips her blonde, silky long hair out over her eyes. Although she had just killed a bunch of the infected, her, her yellow dress, designed with sunflowers, is still somehow not stained by blood. The sunflower that is on the top of her head falls on the ground, as if it were second nature. Both of them reach for it as their hands touch. You can feel the tension between them, as one would realize they are both attracted to one another. Both of them are blushing, their cheeks in unison, turning a red cherry color. Uh, here you go. He gives her back the sunflower while still blushing a bit. Thanks. She smiles nervously. She tells him her backstory, how when the apocalypse happened, she lost everything. Her younger brothers and her father, who had all committed suicide together in their family cabin in the woods by setting fire to the cabin. It was as if a light bulb turned on in her head, and she grabbed Miles' hand. Follow me! He obediently followed her as they get inside her yellow Lexus SUV. They arrive at the abandoned cabin. Most of what is left inside is just burned memories. Family portraits, board games that they used to play, old toys that her brothers cherished greatly. Although most of the things inside the cabin were just ashes, there was a large steel case that had the word emergency on it. Gwen opens up the case, and inside are an abundance of guns, knives, food, first aid kit, etc. <laughs> Jackpot! Miles says. Okay, now let's take all of this and load it into the car. Before they start to bring it to the car, they hear footsteps coming towards the cabin. Both in fear, they hide behind the steel case. The intruders arrive inside. A tall, burly man with a full beard wearing a very tight tank top, military pants, and combat boots. A slim, tall woman with red short hair with the side shaved, wearing a red flannel, skinny jeans, and Doc Martens. A small man with a goatee with curly long hair wearing a tuxedo. The three intruders yell out, Come out wherever you are. We know, we know someone's, someone's here. here. We followed you. We followed you. Give us your supplies. Give us your supplies. And we will politely leave. Miles and Gwen both rise up from behind the steel case as they point their guns at them. As they point their guns at the intruders, the short red-haired woman yells out, It turns out to be like an old western duel, as bullets are flying everywhere. The burly man runs at Miles full speed and starts to punch him furiously. Miles is fighting back as the best he can, but is at a disadvantage because of the burly man's size. Gwen repeatedly shoots at the burly man. Leave him alone! She screams in utter frustration. She realizes Miles is the one person she's finally felt able to feel safe around after losing everything that she had in her life. The brilliant man, after what felt like a million shots to his back, finally fell down. With the little strength that he had, Miles looks to his left and right. The red-haired woman, Midget, and burly man are all now dead. Miles and Gwen have a moving moment as they both run up to one another and give one another a long embrace. Though the two have only known each other for a while, they both felt a spark between each other. Sunflower Section 6 Ten years have passed by, and they are happily married in Antarctica, away from all the chaos that had happened with the apocalypse. They are in bed together cuddling. I love you, Miles. I love you too.
so much, my beautiful sunflower. They feel the comfort and warmth of each other's bodies, while nothing and nobody else matters in the world except for them. And that concludes today's episode. If you have any short story ideas for me to write, feel free to send me them through voice messages.